It's time for Tuesday Terror, here on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. I'm sitting by the edge of the Willamette River. I watch the water flow over the broken remains of the Hawthorne Bridge. In my hands I hold a small black cube. I look into its inky depths knowing what it holds, what it can do, and what the cost will be. That's when I hear it. Something is coming out of the water. As I put the cube into my coat, a vampire is emerging from the depths of the river. It makes its way to the shore and with slow, stiff movements begins to shamble its way towards me. I simply sit still and watch it as it comes closer and closer and then... Then it stops abruptly and simply stares at me. A few moments pass. It drops to its knees and bows its head to the ground. My, but what a clever little abomination you are. It's then that Two-Feather comes running out from behind a series of bushes. He tackles the vampire, and after rolling it over, stabs it in the head with his knife. The creature bursts into dust a second later. He stands and dusts the creature's remains from his clothes. You took your time. You knew I was here. I knew one of you would be following me. It's just human nature. In a way, I'm glad it's you. I have other plans for Tanjara. Why was that creature kneeling before you? Was it? I didn't notice. Thank you for disposing of it all the same. Come along, Two Shoes. We have work to do. It's two feathers. And what are you talking about? Yeah, feathers. Right, gotcha. Anyway, let's go. I want to get to what's left of Pioneer Courthouse Square. Why there? You'll find out soon enough. quite a novel experience. What do you mean? Oh, it's quite simple, my dear girl. Uh, You see, I've been in cars that can fly in the air. Hell, some can even go into space. Riding in one that is stuck on the ground was quite unique. So, where are we anyway? This is the location where government camp was. Someone put a town on the site of an active volcano? Mount Hood is currently dormant. The government camp was a tourist destination for those who enjoyed winter recreations, such as skiing. Why have we stopped here, Bob? This is where Master Byron told us to wait. While we are here, I shall be making modifications to the car. Wait a second. Isn't that Byron's bracelet? Yes, it is. I will be connecting it to the car navigational system. Really? Why? This is more than simply a bracelet. Once connected, it will aid us in our journey. However, until I complete my task... Let me guess. 
That car will be of no use to us. Not only that, but the interior atmosphere will become toxic to biological life. So you're saying we can't sit in the car? Not unless you desire to die. Great. So how long is this going to take? Unknown. I have never done anything like this before. Look, I don't want to be a whiner or anything like that. But what are we supposed to do if any vampire turn up? Huh. I guess we deal with them. Aha. I see. Don't worry, Lars. We're far from the city. I'm... I'm sure we'll be fine. Then again, maybe not. Here, you might need this. And just what is this? It's it's a crowbar. I found it's great for hitting things. Got a bad feeling you're probably going to need it soon. keep kneeling in front of you. Why? Why is that? Maybe they like my coat, Two Feet. For the last time, it's Two Feathers, and I've had enough of this. I know who you are, Byron. Really? And just who am I? There is a tale among my people about a trickster devil. He has sickly pale skin. He lies. Manipulates. Cheats others for his amusement. Sounds like a charming fellow. Calls itself the Pale Man. I was not asleep last night when your visitor came. I heard everything you two spoke. Pale Man. Not this again. What is it you're after, Pale Man? Why do the vampires worship you? They don't worship me. Well, not exactly. They worship my father. Your father. This master of sorrows the Scarson woman spoke of? Yes. The vampire Lars and his people found was once a knight in my father's army. It revered him, worshipped him as a god. It was a part of the essence of her being. So, it passed that essence to those it turned into vampires. And they passed it on to the others they attacked. Down and down the line. I see. And they all regard you as some sort of god. To a degree, I guess. I intended to take advantage of that. To what end, I wonder? Are you going to use them to conquer my world? Ah, oh, please, your world means nothing to me. Look, Two Feathers, I don't know anything about that legend of your people, but I have used... sacrificed many lives for my agenda. I've helped great empires to rise, only to destroy them when they no longer served my purpose. But everything I do is for a reason. So, how does saving my world benefit you? It doesn't. But stopping this plague benefits me greatly. How so? Unimportant for the moment. I can understand why you do not trust me, Two Feathers. But trust that we both want the same thing, if not for the same reason. I see. I have little choice in this matter if we're going to stop the vampires. Very well, pale man. I'll help you. 
but if you try to use me or manipulate me in any way... Uh, you'll do something horrible to me involving tree bark and a big wheel of cheese. I've heard it all before. Now let's get going. seen anything like that before. I think it might have been a bear before it turned. Oh, yeah, great. I noticed you ran away when it started attacking me. I wasn't running away. I was... I, I was... I was trying to draw it away. Yes, yes, that that's what I was doing. Trying to draw it away from you. Oh, really? Is that what you were doing when the vampire rats turned up? What about those dogs before them? Or that mountain lion? You seem real good at abandoning me when the shit gets heavy. Ugh, look. I told you before, I'm an academic. You want to sit down and debate the laws of thermodynamics? I'm all for it. But fighting to the death? I don't even want to kill a cockroach. But using speed and stealth can allow me to do more than fight. Well, you might as well get ready to... Draw them away again, because it sounds like we have more visitors coming. I wish Two Feather was here. He's so much better at this sort of thing. Pioneer Courthouse Square was considered the heart of Portland. The city would hold events here, put on musical events and concerts, show them for free on a big screen in the summer. At Christmas, they put up a huge tree filled with thousands of lights for all to see. Now, there was nothing left. Nothing but ruins and dust. But it was the perfect place for what I was going to do next. Two Feathers and I walked out into the center. Well, we're here, Pell Man. What do we do next? Yes, what do we do next? Tell me, Two Feathers, do your people believe in magic? Of course. We believed in Earth magic. Mother Earth provides and takes away what she will. I guess that's one way of looking at it. Magic has always been a give-and-take sort of thing. I reached into my coat pocket and pulled out a small glass cube the size of a softball. I held it up so Two Feathers could see it. Is that a toy? No, it's not a toy. This cube holds a powerful magic, one great enough to eliminate all of the vampires and the plague. It was given to me by a very powerful wizard named Selina. She said to save it for a rainy day. It seems to be raining buckets... Metaphorically speaking. So, you're going to use that to eliminate the vampires? Me? Oh, no, 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 not me. You are. Catch. I toss the cube over to Two Feathers, who catches it in both of his hands. He looks at it for a few moments before looking back at me. 
You expect me to use this? Yes, it's quite simple, really. Once the glass is broken, the power contained in the cube will carry out its task. But you need to know the power is composed of pure evil. Evil. So, Dark Spirit is trapped within it. Yes. Whoever frees it will pay a cost for using it. You want to explain that to me? What sort of cost are we talking about here? That's just it. I don't know. That's why I've never used it myself. For all I know, it might just want biscuits and tea after it's done its job. Then again, it might haunt you for the rest of your days. No. No. I won't do this. I told you, I wouldn't let you use me. I won't be a pawn in your game to stop the vampires. That's just it, Two Feathers. You see, I'm not giving you a choice. A split second later, the cube shattered between Two Feathers' hands, and the force within was unleashed. Laurentis Olafsson single-handedly stopped a vampire. Yep, you killed a vampire chipmunk. Great for you, Lars. At this rate, we'll have you up to squirrels by the end of the week. That may not be necessary. I have finished all upgrades to the car. Just in time, look. More vampires. What the hell was that? More than that, what happened to the vampires? Oh, that's easy. They're all gone. Byron, how did you get here? I walked, obviously. You wa- Okay. So what did happen to the vampires? Like I said, they're gone. All of them. Like they were never here in the first place. But how? I mean, what did you do? Wait, let me guess. It's complicated. You took the words right out of my mouth. I see. Okay. (gasps) Two feathers, it's good to see you. Oh, uh, yeah. I guess. Are you alright, Two Feathers? I thought that quartz crystal around your neck was clear and not smoky quartz. He's fine, he's just had a busy day is all. So, Bob, you said the car's ready? Yes. We can leave any time you wish. Excellent. Well, Lars, it's been a pleasure to meet. Hope everything works out well for you in the future. Thank you for your help stopping the vampires. Not a problem. Two feathers. I couldn't have done it without you. Literally. Good luck to you. I think you're really gonna need it. Tanjara, Bob, let's go. It's all non-stop with you, isn't it, Byron? What can I say? We have places to go. Well, bye, Lars. Two feathers. Hope to see you again one day. What a strange group. But I like them. I must admit, I really like Byron's coat. Wonder where I can get one like it. Well, at least the vampire's gone. 
We need to get in touch with Freehold so we can get back home. Yes. Uh, yes, we need to do that. Two Feathers, are you quite alright? No, Lars. No, I'm not alright. I don't think I'll ever be alright again. The spirits that live in us, for both good and evil deeds, they're real. The, the scribe passage is on the western side of this mountain. Passes from one fragment to the next are not pleasant experiences. But this was different. Very different. As soon as we entered the barrier, pain exploded all over me. Felt as if my head was going to burst. The assault on my being grew worse with every passing moment. All the while, Byron sat as if nothing out of the ordinary was happening. He simply looked ahead with grim determination while I was certain I was about to die. I held out as long as I could. But soon the pain became too much for me and I passed out. I don't know how long I was out, but slowly I woke to find myself lying in the back seat of the car. The pain was gone, but I felt sore and groggy. Slowly I sat up and got out of the car. I'd never seen anything like it before. It was as if I was standing on a small island suspended in space. Around me, as far as I could see were other islands also suspended and held tight in the darkness. That's when I saw Byron. He stood before what looked to be a large bronze metal door that hung suspended in the air. Byron walked around it a few times and inspected its surface. As I made my way over, I saw Bob lying slumped to the ground. Normal, glowing eyes were off, and the robot looked lifeless. Byron? What's wrong with Bob? There is nothing wrong with Bob. I just turned him off. You turned him off? But, but why? Because I don't need him anymore. He finally got me to where I've wanted to go. So you just got rid of him? Bob was never alive to start with, kid. It's just a machine that finished its task. I see... So, where the hell are we anyways? I've never seen anything like this place before. This place? It's the end of the road, Tanjara. Outside of all time and space. All those little islands floating are fragments of Earth that were destroyed when the multiverse collapsed. You mean the ones we've been seeing on our journey? Yes. But I don't ever remember seeing other fragments floating in the skies before. Has to do with quantum vibrations each fragment radiates. It masks the fragments from one another. Yes, creates the illusion of the complete reality for those living on them and anyone who drops in. But here... Here we stand outside all of it. In a way, it's like looking down on a map opened up on a table. I think I understand. Uh, so what's the deal with the store? Yes, the door. Byron turned back to the door and stood in silence. He will remain that way for a time. I walked up to the door and put my hand on it. It felt warm and I could feel a gentle vibration coming off it. It felt almost... alive. I stepped back and looked at Byron. Slowly, he looked at me. I've spent decades trying to get here. 
thinking of only this moment for so very long. So you're going to open it? But what's behind it? Something beyond your comprehension. (laughs) Hell, it's beyond my comprehension. Only gods can play with this sort of power. So how do you open it? To open it calls for something. The door requires it to prove the worth of those who would open it. But I thought everything I have done up to this point would be enough to do that, but it still wants more. I was becoming uneasy. Byron seemed almost lost within himself, like someone who knows what has to be done, but when the moment comes, they're reluctant to actually do it. What does it want? A personal sacrifice. Byron, I don't understand any of this. What are you talking about? I hadn't noticed it before, but Byron had been holding a knife by his side all this time. I barely registered it when he lashed out with it and slashed open my throat. Byron! Blood sprayed out, hitting Byron in the door. I grabbed at the gash in my neck, trying to stop the bleeding, but it was futile. Warm blood gushed out over my hands, spilling onto the ground. I fell to my knees. Byron knelt next to me. I warned you when we met that people around me have bad things happen to them. You should never have followed me, Tanjara. If it means anything, I could never have gotten this far without you. Byron slammed the blade into my chest, slicing deep into my heart. I felt dizzy, lightheaded. Darkness crept into my vision. I looked up and saw Byron's pale face looking back at me. I'll never be certain, but he looked... Calm. The door is open. A dark crimson light spills out of it. But all I can do is look at the still form of Tanjara's body. The knife I killed her with still embedded in her chest. I've been the cause of so many deaths over the ages. Most of those had been strangers. People I did not know. But Tanjara... Tanjara had become... ally on my journey. Now she was no more. Just a lifeless body lying on the ground in front of me and I felt nothing. What have I become? That's the question, isn't it, Byron? What have you become? It's funny, but I didn't think you'd have it in you to do that. But your father did. Surprising, really, isn't it? Being able to kill someone in cold blood like that? And a friend on top of it all. You really have changed, Byron. You can go to hell, Sam. (laughs) So you finally figured it out. I turn and look over to where Scarson stands. 
He removes her hood, revealing the face of someone I once believed dead. It took a while, but yes. Yes, I know who you are, or rather, were. Sam Beale. You were once a friend of mine. A friend you abandon. A friend you left for dead, just like everyone else who comes into your life. I never abandoned you, Sam. You were lost to me because of what Mr. Logan did. But you never bothered to try and find me, did you? No. You were too busy with your own schemes, and you let me fall into oblivion. I would have died there if not for your father. He found me. Saved me. Trained me to be one of his chosen warriors. Sam Beale died a long time ago. Scarson is what replaced her. You've been planning this all along, haven't you, Sam? Seeing how far I'm willing to go to reach my goals. How many people I'm willing to slaughter along the way. It's been one big game to you. Oh, no. This was all your father's plan. But the Master of Sorrows tasked me to test you. To see if you're worthy to join him in his cause. And why isn't he here? He knows what's behind this door as much as I do. He should be terrified now that it's open. I agree. But your father enjoys taking risks to see what the outcomes might be. Yes, he knows what's beyond the door. But he has faith that you won't go through. Not now that you know what you're capable of. What you're willing to do to achieve your goals. You have at last become worthy to be called his son. And what if I decided to go through the door anyway? What happens then? Simple. I'm tasked to stop you by any means necessary. But I know you won't do that. Not now. Won't I? Sicker, Bob. In a flash, Bob reactivates and springs up from the ground. In a fluid-like motion, he slams into Scarson, knocking her down. <coughs> Twisting his frame around, Bob was able to pin Scarson down so she couldn't move. Unhand me at once! I figured something like this might happen, so I made some changes to Bob's core programming. He's pretty much just a guard dog now. He won't release you unless I tell him to. Right, Bob? Good boy. So you not only murdered the girl, you slaughtered the robot's mind as well? Turned it into some pet you can control? Oh, come now, Scars, and you're making it sound like I've done something bad. Isn't this what you... What my father wanted? Someone who doesn't care who lives and dies just as long as he gets the job done. But you see, Scarson, that's who I've been all along. I don't need you or my father to show me what I'm capable of. Deep down, I've always known what I truly am. I'm the Pale Man. I walk to the threshold of the door. Beyond is a nightmare vision of crimson. One step is all it will take. Byron! You can stand by the Master of Sorrow's side. You can help shape the universe to come. It doesn't have to be madness or chaos. You can help create worlds that you will rule above. Please, Byron, don't do this! I look over at Scarson where she lays upon the ground, her eyes pleading with my own, begging me not to do this. I turn back to the chaos and step through the door. Byron, come back! Byron! Byron! 
You've been listening to The Byron Chronicle, Beyond the Veil, Part 7. Written by Eric L. Busby and J.A. Babione. Featured in the cast were... David Alt as Byron. Nicole Goodnight as Tanjara. Ellie Hirschman as Bob. James Sedevi as Two Feathers. Tom Cat as Lars. And Natalie Van Sistine as Scarson. Script editor Tracy Babione. Sound designer Eric Busby. Music performed by Kevin McLeod. Byron theme by Kai Hartwig. Executive producer was Eric L. Busby. Credits by Kareem C. Cronfley. Copyright ELB Productions 2022. he knows the time is short. Let him who hath understanding reckon the number of the beast, for it is a human number. Its number is 666. <laughs> I'm Brian Miller, creator of Radio Living America. Does listening to the news leave you feeling anxious and distressed? Do you want to be informed about current events, but without all the rage bait and hyperbolic bile? Then tune in to Radio Living America, a fictional news program set during a zombie pandemic in the not-too-distant future. Anchorman Brian Andrews and his team of field reporters will deliver the most important stories of the undead crisis and probably leave you feeling better about the world than the real news does. Season 1 is available now at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you access podcasts. Hmm. It says the Ian Kyleson and the Cassie Robeson commercial. Okay. Well, the author knows what he's doing. Hey, Cassie, here's something else we need to record. You ready? I guess so, if that's what he's wanting. Are you sure this isn't the cast director writing this? You know, I'm not sure. Oh well, here we go. You know, Cassie, I didn't realize so many people were listening to our reports for the Kyleson Chronicles. It's a little unnerving knowing that they are. Hopefully, though, I don't sound like a kid. Nah, your voice sounds okay to me. Of course, being my twin, it would sound normal anyway. Oh my gosh! What? What? Ian, just how many places can people pick up our reports from? Well, I know the reports are heard on iHeartRadio. Audible, um, Deezer? Then I think there's Spreaker, Castbox, Apple Podcast, Facebook, Podcast Addict. Let me think. I know there are more platforms like in the UK, India, Germany, Africa. Heck, I even think they listen on Spotify, Podbean, and something called Overcast? Mom says there are people that want to know what it's like on the surface outside. Kind of scary knowing that we're being heard all over the world. Well, Cassie, I guess that's just part of being a scribe. You know, J.A. Babian is the official author and producer of the Kyleson Chronicles. I know I want to keep my trust in him to make sure our reports are heard. Well, they are important, I guess. Whew. I don't know about you, but I am absolutely exhausted from walking in that thunder snow. My legs are flat worn out. I'm going to bed. Good night. See you in the morning. Night, Cassie. See you tomorrow.
For you folks listening to this, I just wanted you to know that we are the Kyleson Chronicles. Enjoy the episodes and our travels across the world in the year 4062. Please subscribe and share our adventure on your favorite media listening app. You start with an idea, a what if. Then you populate this idea with characters, heroic, cowardly, dramatic, humorous, scheming, clueless, as many as you want. Then you stir them briskly in a plot that turns this way and that until a satisfying ending is achieved. You've just written an audio drama. The challenge is, can you write one and finish it before the end of February? That's the challenge of National Audio Drama Script Writing Month, so get busy. For details, go online to sonicsociety.org slash nadsrum. That's N for National, A for Audio, D for Drama, S for Script, W-R-I for Writing, and M for Month. Don't ask me why writing is represented with three letters. I didn't come up with it. But maybe I could write an audio drama explaining why. Hmm... 